Your Grace Still Amazes Me. What a great song. You're listening to Drive Time with Friddle today. It is Tuesday. I don't even know the date. It's April 25th. April 25th, 2017. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM. We're going to jump into some music, then we'll get back with some headlines. And welcome back. You're listening to Drive Time with Friddle here on KVXL 101.1 FM. Although it may turn into a Friddle show by the time we're done with this because I'm going to tell a story in depth here right now. Personal story that some of my my good friends know the details of. But I've never publicly shared this story in, in depth. But events over this past weekend, as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, uh, made me think that maybe now would be a good time to share this. And it's really, it's a multifaceted story because I get asked quite often, well, why the Frittle Show? Why the Frittle? Why don't you just brand it as a Crystal Heath show? Well, one, because Crystal Heath, believe it or not, is hard for people to say and understand. You might think what no trust me (laughs) i think it's the heath and the cuh sound so everybody thinks your last name is keith or they don't understand what you just said crystal heath try saying heath like 30 times fast it's not it's it's a it's a kind of a difficult pronunciation anyway that actually has nothing whatsoever to do with why it's not branded as the crystal heath show so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you why I'm going to tell you why, but I'm going to expand on that story because I've, I've given the short version of why it's why it's the Frittle show, why I go by the Frittle. Started way back in the day. I am the oldest of seven amazing children. I mean, if you ask my parents, they will tell you that the best children on the planet um, are are me and my six siblings. I mean, it's just without, I mean, my parents, your parents tell you the truth, right? And I know that that's what they would say. Anyway, <laughs> I don't take that too seriously, people. It's okay. It's Tuesday morning. For me, it's my Monday. But anyhow, so uh, growing up, my my siblings, when they're like learning how to talk and stuff, some they couldn't pronounce the K in crystal. The K gave them difficulties. So they'd call me Fristal because they couldn't get the K before, like, before they could really talk talk. When they first started saying my name, they'd call me Fristel. Or there were some of them that could get the K sound, but somehow the, the rest of it just didn't fall together for them, so they would call me Criddle. So Fristel and Criddle, and eventually the two kind of morphed together to where I ended up being called Friddle, just as a, as a family nickname. And for years, no one else used or was aware of this nickname, because I... I didn't think anyone else needed to be. It was not something that I wore as a badge of honor, per se. It was, this is what my little siblings, whose diapers I'm going to be changing, are calling me, and you don't need to call me that. I mean, I loved them, and I love that they called me that, but no one else, like, that didn't need to be something outside of our family. Like, it really just didn't. And when my dad would accidentally say it in public, it would make me cringe. I'm just be honest with you. I'd be like, oh, Dad, don't, don't call me that in public. That's weird. Because, you know, at that point I was a teenager and I loved my parents, but it was just I didn't need, you know, teenage life is hard enough. So anyway, so that's that's that was my nickname. 
in, uh, oh my goodness, what year would that have been? I don't even want to try and guess because I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm going to guess probably, let's see, I was probably about early 20s. So maybe 2005? Wait. 2000. Yeah, like 2005, 2006, I'm guessing it was. My brother Josh he calls me. I was at work and he's like, hey, do you want to go to a Freedom concert? And I was like, a Freedom concert? What in the world is a Freedom concert? And he's like, well, you know who Sean Hannity is, right? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I know who he is. Okay, now here's something you need to understand for the sake of this story. Growing up, when we were driving in the car, we listened to one of two things, primarily. In fact, I don't actually really remember ever listening to anything else as a child growing up. If Rush Limbaugh was on, we listened to Rush Limbaugh. I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. If Rush Limbaugh was not on, we were listening to Adventures in Odyssey. This is my childhood. Now you probably understand more about me than you ever wanted to. But I grew up, the two media things that I listened to was Rush Limbaugh and Adventures in Odyssey. You could say that's not balanced if you want to. I don't care. Were my parents indoctrinating me? Yes, that's their job. We can have that conversation another time. But it was a great indoctrination. So, uh, And they never really listened to, to Handy. Now, this was before he was big. He may not have even been national at that point. I don't remember, uh, once again, because we never listened to him. But when we would go on vacation, we didn't have uh, we didn't have TV growing up. I mean, we had a physical TV, but we didn't have cable or anything like that. My parents still don't have cable. Um because they wanted us to focus on other things and they wanted us to read good books and my parents instilled a love for reading in us and, and provided us with a great library and did so many things so well that I would hope to emulate uh, some time because, I mean, look at how we turned out. So obviously they did some great things. So so we didn't have a TV. So when we would go on, or we didn't have cable rather, for most of the time all we had was a VCR. And for those of you that don't know what a VCR is, consider yourself blessed because when you had just there's some I have some bad memories with VCRs but when we would go on vacation or to my grandparents house all of our relatives all of them had cable and it was like this whole other world and for me growing up I was a news junkie and I really liked politics even as as a as a young teen and before that Probably because, remember, the two things I grew up on were Rush Limbaugh and Adventures in Odyssey. So I loved when Fox News came around, oh my goodness, what is it, like 25, 26 years ago, something like that. So I've been alive for the entirety of Fox News. And I remember my parents would always watch it. And one of the first news programs I remember watching as a kid was Hannity and Combs. And I really liked Hannity and Combs because they would have this conversation and you could tell that they were friends and they respected each other. But they, even though they could have these ridiculously crazy arguments, you could tell that there was a mutual respect and admiration and they would debate issues. And it was just good quality uh, news programming because you were getting both sides of a story. And I really liked it. And so I would watch this. And so when my brother calls up and asks if I want to go to a Freedom Concert, my really only association with Hannity at that point was I watched him on Hannity and Combs when we would go on vacation. So I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like Hannity. That sounds fun. And they were having it at Six Flags in New Jersey. So you could get, um, like, your ticket was a, was a dual thing where you got uh, access to the park and you got the Freedom Concert. 
So we we bought tickets. Me and uh, I think it was Josh and his now wife Sarah, the time girlfriend, uh, my sister Bethany, my brother Jonathan. I think it was the five of us. Is that five of us? And so we went. The park was packed out. I mean, I think we did maybe three rides all day. I have never seen such long lines in my life. Like, you think Disneyland in the summer is bad? No. Try Six Flags when Hannity is there doing a Freedom Concert on a weekend in New Jersey. Oh. My. Word. And they don't have fast passes or anything. At least they didn't back then. So we didn't get very far on rides, but we saw there were some lines for, uh, for people that you could get signatures and stuff, and uh, we saw there was a line for, for Oliver North. Hannity had, like, I think Ollie North, uh, Mark Levin, maybe a couple other people were there. So we got an Ollie North's line. So the Colonel Oliver North, great American hero, has written some amazing books. So we get in his line. Very gracious man. Uh, he signed, I think my brother Josh had some of his books with him, and he signed his books. And uh, we talked to him for a few minutes. Really great experience. Really gracious guy. And then there was another line after... After you got out of Oliver North's line, there was like another line. Nobody knew who it was a line for, though. So we didn't know, but we're like, hey, it's probably one of these people that's with Handy. So we'll get in this line. So we get in this line. And we're waiting in line, and we're waiting in line, and we're waiting in line. And uh, nobody around us, like, we don't, <laughs> we literally have no clue who we're standing in line for. We just figured this line is shorter than any of the lines for the rides, so maybe we'll get to meet somebody cool. Well, it turned out we were in the line to meet Sean Hannity. So then we, we get all excited, even though we, didn't really know a whole lot about about him at that point because we didn't grow up watching TV or listening to him. We grew up listening to Rush. So we uh, we get up and it's our turn to meet him. And I don't know. I've I don't. There's not a good way for me to say this, but let me just say that I have met a lot of people in my life. I've met a lot of people that are in the public eye, whether in in news or politics or sports. I've met some very famous people. But I have never met any famous person who is as gracious or as kind or as genuinely interested in you as Sean Hannity. When it comes to a celebrity, I've never met anyone that legitimately makes you feel like you have worth as a person and takes a genuine interest in you when it comes to a celebrity. But he was so kind and so gracious to us. He talked to us for a few minutes. He took multiple pictures with us, uh, with our group. And then, you know, we're, we're talking, we're just standing there having a good time. Like he was not in a hurry. He wasn't going to kick us out. He wanted to answer any questions that we had, have a conversation with us, find out what we were doing with our lives, what we wanted to do. Um, and he's like, hey, are you guys are you guys thirsty? And this kid is walking by with his lemonade cart. And so he stops the kid with his lemonade cart. He's like, wait, wait, wait. And he buys out his lemonade cart. I think he, the kid had like eight lemonades left. He got two for his assistants, one for him, and, and gave all five of us lemonade. And, he's, and he had a couple bags of popcorn. So he get, bought the popcorn and gave it to us. And then uh, he gives the kid that's driving this cart a $100 tip. And he tells him, go refill your cart, bring it back, and I'll buy out the whole thing and give you another tip. And the kid just stood there, like completely dumbfounded. And in my mind, I'm going, listen to the man. Do what he said. He's not lying. Go, go. <laughs> refill your cart, brother. So the kid left. But, um, and, then, and then we went on our way. And he had signed. We had some 
Freedom Concert mugs and different things he had signed for us. And in that moment, I remember thinking, there's something different about this guy. He really actually cared about us and expressed interest in us and was incredibly kind to us. And I think my brother and Sarah may have actually made that popcorn into some kind of Christmas tree uh, decoration for a while. But we kept that stuff. It meant something to us. And after that interaction, I started listening to, uh, to Hannity's radio program. I started taking a great interest in what was happening with radio and the way radio was done and radio production and radio broadcasting and uh, really developed a great appreciation for Sean's radio style. And I ended up working uh, one of my previous jobs. Um, there was there was a time frame where I would spend a lot of time waiting and I just, I had time, but I never knew when that time period might end. So, uh, it wasn't like, I mean, I could have read a book, but at any moment it could be, okay, now we're going to, now we're going to go again. So my brother, Jonathan had got me on Twitter and I figured, Hey, I can just start tweeting during this time when I'm waiting. And I would literally, I would have at least an hour, anywhere from an hour to three hours a day where I would just be intermittently waiting. So I'd be doing something hardcore and then we'd have, you know, 20 minutes where we'd just be waiting and then doing something. And uh, it's it's hard to explain. I can explain it to you sometime in person if you want to know why I was having all this time. But so I'd be tweeting. And as it just so happens... That was right about the same time that uh, Sean Hannity went through a phase for I th- about six to eight months where he was building up his social media presence. And so he was personally tweeting very regularly. And he was tweeting just normal people. And I thought, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet to Sean Hannity. And so I did. And he tweeted me back. And I remember the first time Sean Hannity tweeted me back, I almost fell out of my chair. I was so excited. I was like, this is awesome. And so I tweeted Handy back, and then he tweeted me back. And that's something that became literally a regular part of my life, where I would just literally be at work doing my job, where I was allowed to be on my phone, or I was allowed to read a book, I was allowed to pretty much do whatever I wanted as long as I was ready to go, when the boss was ready to go. And I would sit there and I would have conversations on Twitter with Sean Hannity. Learning, joking, whatever. And we developed a friendship. And it, it, But it wasn't just like just me. It became what was called Hannity, Hannity's Twitter Army. Because he, he would interact with all these different people. And uh, as time went by, there was a like a core group of us that would tweet... With, with Sean Hannity. And we uh, we had a, a, a couple of, uh, uh, I, it was actually a couple. They were husband and wife. They had just gotten married um, and uh, found out a few months into this thing they were going to have a baby. So I quote unquote bet Sean Hannity 
on the gender of the baby. I said it was going to be a girl. He said it was going to be a boy. And he said, well, what do I get if, uh, if I'm right? You know, because that's how that's how bets work. And I don't remember what it was. I think he wanted, like, tickets to Garth Brooks' concert here in Las Vegas. I was living in Las Vegas at the time. And I was like, all right, Garth Brooks tickets, sure, that's fine. The part of that that no one ever knew, because he told me I wasn't ever allowed to tell anyone, but I don't think he would care now because we're, like, oh, a good six years removed from this, was that I was never going to pay out anything if I if he had one he was going to buy himself tickets and then take a bunch of us with him but anyway he's like and here's what I'm gonna do if you win if you win I'm gonna let you pick uh I don't remember if it was like five or six of our Twitter friends um he's like I'm gonna bring you all to New York to see if taping of my show and get you to a Yankees game and I was like hey I've got I've got nothing to lose in this deal let's do it well long story short she had a girl and Hannity flew, I think it ended up being eight of us. He flew us all to New York. He put us up in the Ritz-Carlton. Room service, everything, you name it, amazing. Right over Central Park. He brought us into a, a filming of Hannity. He took us out to uh, Del Frisco's Steakhouse, which is right by, uh, by Fox News. And when he said he was going to send us to a Yankees game, he didn't. it wasn't like nosebleed seats. I didn't know this even existed in the sports world. I mean, I, I did because I ended up working for an IndyCar team and learned about, all about hospitality and things. But, I mean, go beyond... Like, IndyCar hospitality is amazing uh, if you do it right. But at Yankee Stadium, we were seated, I don't know, like three or five rows up from third base in the section where there's signs beware of flying bats because this is the bat could like if it flies out of the player's hand it could hit you in the head and you could die we were that close and i mean these seats like um not your normal plastic hard seats that you sit on no like these are deluxe seats and everything you could possibly want in the section we were sitting in was free so if you want water, you want soda, you want candy bars, you want a milkshake, you want steak, you want chicken, whatever you want, it's free. And they would have the little the little usher guys with their with their uh you know, the soda and water and stuff they carry around. They would come and they would ask you if there was anything you wanted. You had like a little menu, they would go and get you anything you wanted or you could go inside. Down like behind home plate in Yankee Stadium, there is a huge beautiful buffet I mean it is like it is like Halloween for adults there are there are walls of candy and it's all for you can walk up and take whatever you want okay I I still have never in my life seen anything like this like the most delicious most amazing buffet you've ever been to is behind home plate in Yankee Stadium and you could go in there. You could get as much as you wanted. You could stay in there and pig out the entire game if you wanted. You could go in, get food. Uh, you could custom order it and then take it back out to your out to your seat and eat it. Why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this because this is the person that Sean Hannity is. Sean Hannity is a gentleman. Sean Hannity is a family man. Sean Hannity cares about people. 
Sean Hannity, I believe, loves God. And I think that is evidenced by the fruit of his life. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people that are in the spotlight. And no one has given me the impression that Sean Hannity has given me. And I've interacted with him many times since then. We've become good friends. And when I say good friends, I mean Sean Hannity would take my call. Okay? Sean Hannity loves people. When you walk into the green room at Fox News, if you have kids with you, Sean will look them in the eye, talk with them, have a conversation with them. He's legitimately interested in what you are interested in. And there is nothing that he cares about more than his family. A few years back, there was a shakeup at Fox News, and there was some times that were moved around, and Sean Handy moved from, uh, I think he was in the 9 o'clock hour, he moved to the, what is he in now? Is he in the 7 or the 8 hour? I, I forget, I think he's in the 7 o'clock hour. It, it's always messed me up being out here because it's different on the West Coast, than, but it's not, and so, anyway... And everyone thought that was because, you know, Sean was being demoted or something had happened. No, it it wasn't. Sean has two kids, boy and a girl, and they had gotten into high school and he wanted more time to be able to spend with them. He wanted to be home for dinner more often. He wanted to be able to be more part of their life. So he asked to be moved out of what was the best uh, primetime slot at the time, he asked to change slots. He wasn't moved. He asked to be moved so that he could have more family time. That's the kind of person that Sean Hannity is. And so when I saw those accusations over the weekend that popped up about him, It, it it's sad to me. You know, I think that there are some people that when these things happen or th- people say things about them, you know that there's probably some truth there. And if you've ever met them or interacted with them at all, you're not necessarily surprised by it. Like, for example, there's been some, some changes recently in the media that haven't surprised me. And I'll just leave it at that. But when you have someone who is upstanding, when you have someone who chooses to live life above reproach, then when things like this get thrown at them, they don't stick. And I believe this is one of the reasons why Scripture tells us that we're supposed to live a life above reproach. That we're not supposed to have any appearance of evil. And I believe... And in fact, I I know that Sean Hannity has lived a life above reproach, that he has avoided all appearances of evil. And I knew when I saw those 
things being said that they would not stick. And amazingly, within less than 24 hours, the woman who said these things was like, oh, no, that's not actually what I said. That's not what I meant. That's not that never actually that's not. No. You don't see that happening with many other people, do you? You know, you see these accusations. The accusers don't fall away. The reason the accusation goes away is because it's simply unfounded and untrue. And I wanted to share that with you to give you a little glimpse into who Sean Hannity is. Because he's a friend of mine, he has mentored me in radio. He's done more for me than I can explain to you on the air right now. I mean, the things that I shared with you are just the tip of the iceberg of the ways that Sean Hannity has helped not only me and and my friends, but I could tell you stories of children whose parents have have died fighting for our freedoms that he has sent to college, um, good colleges, that they will never owe a cent. I could tell you stories of houses that he's built, of, of veterans that he's done amazing things for, but that's not something that he would want me to tell and those aren't my stories to share but I will tell you this if Sean Hannity ever comes into your restaurant and you're a waiter or a waitress get him to keep buying stuff because Sean Hannity will tip you 100% of what his bill is no matter who you are no matter how lousy your service is you are going to get a 100% tip so I'm just that's just a heads up and that's already been leaked in the media before so I can share that one even though I knew before but <laughs> But as I watched this all unfold, I thought, you know, there's a lesson that we can all learn from this. If you, And it's a common saying, if you want to avoid criticism, you simply do nothing, you say nothing, and you be nothing. If you try to make a difference, there are always going to be people that are going to come after you and that are going to say things and that are going to try and knock you down to try and pretty much make themselves a little bit higher. And so it's important that we live a life that is above reproach, that we avoid the, even the appearance of evil. So now let me put a little bow on this. When, uh, and wrap it up like a nice package, that's what, the, that's what the bow meant. In the earlier days when I was, when, when I was tweeting I regularly and Hannity was tweeting me and that was when I started calling into his radio program regularly which I I don't do anymore as much simply because I my schedule is different now I don't have the time that I used to have but through that phase um some of us on Twitter began getting um some feedback that was less than pleasant and we had people that were were trying to find us physically locate us and um and harass us. Which, by the way, in case you didn't know, your your address, your phone number, is most likely listed on white pages right now. And anyone can Google you, find out where you live, find out your phone number. But you can go on white pages. You can go to a lot of these different sites and you can block uh, yourself. And I would suggest that you, you do do that. Um, but anyway, that's just my that's my personal opinion. So, uh, you know, we were talking with with Hannity about this because it was becoming an issue because of our interactions with him so people that didn't like him were starting to come after us and at that time my Twitter handle was at Crystal Heath 
and I still have that Twitter account at Crystal Heath. I never use it, but I've held on to it because it is it is my name, and so I, I keep it. Um, but he said, you know, you guys need to take your names out of your uh, out of your actual Twitter handle, which is the on Twitter the way it works is your at and then your username. So your username is your handle on Twitter. So um, I was like, well, that's a good idea, but I have no idea what, how, what, like what, how can I get a better username than at Crystal Heath? Like I have my name. He's like, well, you can't use your name. He's like, so you're, you're the Frittle. Use the Frittle and brand everything that you have and everything that you do as the Frittle. And so when I started a podcast, which eventually became uh, the Frittle Show, I called it Something about freedom. I don't even remember what I called it, but I had a cool, edgy name for my podcast. And uh, I had Hannity on for, I don't know if it was like my 50th episode or something. I don't know. Um, but he came on my show and he was like, why Why is this the name of your show? Like, on my show. He's ridiculing the name of my show. And I was like, uh, because it's cool and trendy and it's about freedom and America. And he's like, no, your show is the Frittle Show. Your show should be the Frittle Show. That is what it is. That is what it shall be. Now... When a radio guru like Sean Hannity tells you that this shall be the name of your show, you don't you don't even need to pray about that one. I'm sorry, most things in life you do, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You just say, yes, sir, that's brilliant, and you do it. And so that's how that came about. That's why it's the Frittle Show. That's why you know me as the Frittle. It's because... Of Sean Hannity and because he took an interest in my life like he has in so many others. And I just wanted to publicly share that with you and thank Sean for his generosity. And you can say anything you want about his politics or his program. We don't see eye to eye on everything. Believe me, I could show you communications that we had during uh, leading up to the presidential election last year and you would be very surprised, I think, <laughs> by some of our conversations. But we're able to have those conversations. Doesn't mean we, we agree on everything. Believe me, we do not. We, we, <laughs> we definitely do not. But that's the thing about Sean Hannity. You will not find anyone who's actually interacted with him on a professional level, whether they are on the left or whether they're on the right, you're not going to find anyone who has something bad to say about him. And it was awesome to see when these accusations came out over the weekend, leftists, liberals, standing up, tweeting, Facebooking, saying, I know Sean Hannity, and this is not true. Sean Hannity is a family man. Sean Hannity is a respectable, honorable individual, and this, his character is unquestionable. And it just made me think that's, that's how I want to live. That's how I want to be. I don't want anyone to question. I want to live above reproach too. So that if at some point somebody were to say something like that about me, is, that could be said of me also. No, that's not true. Even people that I may disagree with could say, we may disagree, but the character, the level of character cannot be questioned. And I think that's exactly how Jesus would have us to live, don't you think? I think so. All right, that was Noteworthy with Be Thou My Vision, one of my favoritest. That is that is a word. I don't I don't care if it's not in the dictionary. I this is my show 
And on my show, I mean, I could speak, I could speak in pig Latin if I wanted to because it is my show. But since I prefer not to be fired and I don't know that my bosses would appreciate that, I'm going to choose not to go that route. So, oh my goodness, you guys. I had this dream, and I have a point for sharing it with you, so bear with me. (laughs) I haven't had a dream in a long time, but when I dream, I have very real, very vivid dreams. Now, they don't always have to do with what's going on in my life, but when they have to do with what's going on in my life, they can be scarily accurate. So, for example, one time when I was working uh, as the office administrator for a, uh, a statewide political campaign in Pennsylvania, we had this this massive mailer. It was, I think it was like a 100,000 piece mailer. And of course, it's cheaper if you stuff and seal and stamp these mailers yourselves. And so you would try and get volunteers to help. But even with volunteers, like our our candidate's basement was just full of tables and envelopes and letters. And you're like, we, we, we spent so many hours. And not only was it a mass mailer, but it was a mail merge. If you've ever worked in any kind of office setting, you understand what a mail merge is and you understand the great headache because now what you're doing is you have people's names. All these letters now are personalized and they're personalized not just with the letter, but then you have a matching envelope. So you have to make sure that the name on the letter you're folding matches the envelope. And if any of them get out of order, then you have really big problems, especially when there's that many. And we spent days upon days upon days upon days with these mailers. And the worst part of it was I would go home at night. Like we were, we worked ridiculous amounts of hours. I mean, we were, we were paid well for it, but I mean, we would work 16, 18 hour days stuffing these envelopes. And then I would go home and sleep and I would dream. It seemed like all night long. Who knows if I was dreaming for half an hour, an hour, five hours. I don't know. But I would dream for what seemed like all night long that in, in my sleep, in, I'm dreaming that I'm stuffing these envelopes. And I spent two and a half weeks where every single night I dreamt that I was still stuffing these envelopes. Okay. These are the kind of dreams that Crystal has. If they're not like an exact replica of what's happening in my daily life, then there's something blowing up and I'm running away from something or rescuing someone from something. It's always very dramatic. These, this is the only types of dreams that I have. And I know this says things about my personality and I'm revealing it. I don't, I don't really care. It's either an exact, exact replica of what's happening in my life or something is blowing up. Someone is dying. Someone needs to be rescued. It might be me. It might be somebody else. doesn't matter. But there is an explosion. I don't have these happy dreams that other people have I don't know how you get those but my dream last night was actually it was last night's dream was a pretty happy dream until the end are you ready okay here's what happened in last night last night I woke up around like four o'clock I don't usually get up till 5 15 or 5 30 um so I woke up around four I was like oh gotta fall back to sleep I still have an hour and a half gotta get this hour and a half of sleep so I fall back to sleep And I have this dream that it is Bible Club Day. But for some reason, 
so so this is where my two this happens sometimes too where the where my two levels of dreams collide where you have like the 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 adventuresome emergency situation and then you have real life and the two somehow come together so outside i don't i don't know where we were we weren't in our usual bible club area we were somewhere else and there was a lot going on outside like there was some exploding things and uh i don't know something something terrible was happening outside so uh while i was dealing with the law enforcement personnel and asking them where we could have the kids at i don't know why why these children didn't go home why i didn't go home i don't know why we were still having bible club in this like war zone but you know somebody's got to i guess so i'm talking to them and we have our bible club helpers take the kids into there was this mall now again these things don't make sense in the dream because in the dream it's this big, beautiful, gorgeous mall. I think it was the King of Prussia Mall, actually, which is in Pennsylvania, which is just huge. Um, and and the mall was still functioning. Like, outside the door, it's like... But anyway, it was bizarre. So, and I don't know who my Bible Club helpers were. They weren't our usual helpers. And I only had two of them. And we had, like, 50 kids. So I have two helpers that are not the usual helpers. In fact, I'd never seen them before, but they're taking the kids into the mall. And they're going while well, I was talking with the with the police about what we were going to do. And so so I go in there. And they have the kids like there's like this semicircle. And then this whole row of kids just down the down the like you know how when you're when you're in um like a like a Sears or a JCPenney or a Kohl's or something, you got just like clothes everywhere. Um, and you can like walk in between them. So there's this random little alcove that they've got these kids in a semicircle. And again, these are, these are rookie Bible club helpers, not anyone that I didn't know either of them. So I'm not sure where they came from. Um, and then they've got this semicircle. Then they have this row of kids that just goes like goes down in between the clothes, like for so long. And I'm, and I walk in and I looked at them and I was like, guys, they, you got kids like the hundred yards away. They they're not going to hear the story. Like they can't just sit in a row down the aisle between the racks of clothing. They should all be here in this little area, like together. And they're like, oh, well, but we just thought there need to be a line of kids. And I'm like, no, no, they can sit like behind each other. We can, we can make this go deeper. You know, this can go like five, six, 10 kids deep if we needed to. So I also don't know who these Bible club kids were. They weren't our usual kids again. But it was just, it was Bible club. So I start, this is my dream. If those, if there are people just tuning in right now, just so you know, this is a dream that I had. This is not real life. So I start trying to rearrange the kids and get them to all sit, you know, behind each other. So we get them all in one general area. And of course, this is taking forever. And I don't want to sit by him. He said that I like so-and-so and I don't like so-and-so. I don't want to sit by her. She took my candy. He hit me. Hit her. So they're all fussing at each other and they don't want to sit by each other. But so I finally get everyone seated. And this takes me a long time. Okay. A long time because again, did I mention I only had two helpers and neither one of them had ever helped with Bible club before, but I appreciated that they were there to help and there were like 50 kids and they weren't our usual kids. So they didn't know the system and there was also like a war or something happening outside. So there's a lot going on and it takes me forever. I finally, finally get them all seated and I get them all seated and somebody is whistling. One of these kids is whistling. And in my dream, I remember, I'm just standing there like, why, why are you whistling? Like, why could you just, shh. <laughs> so this is, this is no joke. This is what happens in my dream. I clap my hands. I say, all right, 
whoever is whistling is going to stop whistling, and Miss So-and-so, I don't even, like I said, have no idea who it was, is about to tell us our story. And everyone was quiet, which is a miracle. So they're all quiet, and she stands up to tell a story, and my alarm went off. And I don't know about you, but generally speaking, like, I, I go to bed early so that I can get up early and feel good, because I don't drink coffee, so I don't really have an alternative. And when my alarm goes off in the morning, I'm usually like, oh, okay, okay. But this morning, I was like, no! I just got them sitting down, and it's story time. Like, you, why are you going off now? Why could you have gone off before I had to sit them all? What? Like, I was legit mad at my alarm because it interrupted Bible Club in my dream. And the moral of the story is, if you're not helping with Bible Club, clearly my subconscious thinks that you should be. (laughs) And we have a great team, a fantastic team that is helping with our Bible Clubs over at Cornerstone Crossings. But we are about to start another Bible Club at Avery Park, which is also close to the church, but headed the other direction. Uh, And we are going to need helpers for that Bible club. We also need helpers on Sunday morning. We have a van. We send a van to pick up kids and these kids come to church. Most of them, we have about a half dozen kids that come to church almost every Sunday, but we need volunteers that can uh, drive or ride in the van to go and pick them up, uh, to knock on their doors, to remind them, and then take them back after church is over. We need people that can help with that. And those are some things that I'm going to be looking for in the next couple of weeks. So if you're listening and you think, hey, That's something I can do. It's really easy. You literally get to go and play with kids and tell them about Jesus and watch people get saved and develop relationships with young people who, quite honestly, uh, there aren't a whole lot of people that are taking the time to develop relationships with them. And it is a phenomenal ministry. If you like working with kids at all, then you will love Bible Club. If that's something you'd like to be part of, You can call us here at the church, 702-647-4522. Just ask for me, and we can get you set up to help us with our new Bible club that we're going to be starting here just in the next few weeks, most likely, over at Avery Park. And if if we do that on Saturdays, if you can't do it on Saturdays, but you're coming to church on Sunday anyway, and you say, hey, I want to be involved, but I can't do Saturday, maybe I can do Sunday. Even if you're a teenager, you can do this if you're a teenager, okay? I need people that can ride in the van to go and pick up kids because you can't go like I can't go by myself to go and pick up kids there's a lot of different reasons for that but I need somebody to go with me so you know if you're a teenage girl and you're like I can't come out on Saturday mornings I don't have a way to get there I don't have a way to get home but I'm gonna be at church anyway on Sunday I can ride with you I would love to take you with me that would be fun and fantastic and you know what sometimes there's donuts um sometimes if I'm driving, I'll take him to McDonald's or something. So I'm just saying, there could be some big perks for you if you drive with us on Sunday mornings. And by big perks, I do mean very menial uh, <laughs> dollar menu uh, items, possibly. But, you know, just saying. It's something that you might want to consider. And we would love to have you be part of that. We'd love to have you help us out. With that, oh, I just got a text message. Somebody will pick up Bible Club Kids with me. Thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) We'll make it happen. All right, we're going to finish today. We'll go out to, oh, let's see. Who do I want? Um, 
Let's do Chris Tomlin. This is Chris Tomlin with Jesus. Hope you have a fantastic day. Tomorrow, no idea what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure that it's going to be good. So you should tune in. Same time, same place, 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas.